The Laughter Permitted Podcast is brought to you by Ally. Do it right. Hello. Welcome to this World Cup edition of Laughter Permitted. I'm Julie Fowdy. I'm Lynn Ozawi. Lynn, I keep wishing and wishing and wishing <laughs> that the U.S. were back in it. Mm. But weirdly, <laughs> that hasn't changed a thing. I don't know what happened. No. Jules, we're going to talk about it, see how you're processing everything. And in this episode, we'll also do a little preview of the semifinals and answer a bunch of questions about the World Cup from the Dope Village. So get comfortable listening. Who's going to go to the World Cup finals? Because it's not the United States of America. Kick back, relax, and unwind. Let's have a good time finding the joy in life. We're smiling so bright, talking and laughing combined. Feeling alright, get comfortable listening. It's laughter permitted. Where in the world is Julie Julie Fowdy? <laughs> I am officially now at the Little League World Series in lovely South Williamsport, Pennsylvania. I took a red eye last night because I only had two days at home, so I didn't want to lose my Sunday. Shot five little features today. That's a full day. Five features. Before we get going on the soccer, I just wanted to add, since we have been doing where... In the world is Julie, um, and setting the scene of where I'm at for each one of these. And in episode in episode four, I was talking about being in Maui on vacation with my family, as you all will recall. And um, we were staying 40 minutes south of Lahaina, and so thankfully we're not impacted by the fire in Lahaina. Uh, but I did want to thank everyone for checking in on us, and it really meant a lot to me and my fam. But we left the island on the 10th, uh, and I will say, Lynn, it has been really hard to watch the news as the tragedy in Lahaina just continues to unfold, and the images and the devastation, the impact of the stories. Uh, it's just heart-wrenching. So just a reminder for all of our dope village, please give what you can to this incredible community um, and keep them in your prayers. I, I spoke to a woman uh, the, the day after the fires who said it's all local family-run businesses that burnt to the ground on that front street. It's not big corporations. She said it's just going to be so hard for that community to rebuild. They're incredibly strong, but she said it's, you know, it's mom and pop shops, basically. Um, and it's everything they had. So keep them in your prayers. Spread that aloha spirit wherever you can as well. I have such love and admiration for the people of Hawaii. And I know they will get through this. Yeah, well said, Jules. Well said. We have a lot to talk about. But first, Lynn, most important, mm -hmm. what T-shirt are you wearing? The T-shirt I'm wearing was actually a gift from a friend. Oh, that's a great friend. A very thoughtful friend, all the way from either New Zealand or Australia. Which country did you bring this from? Um, wow, where was I? <laughs> I honestly don't know. I just know I was in the Nike family house. I feel like it was Auckland. Auckland. Okay. Yeah. So I would describe this t-shirt as business in the front and a party in the back. Mm. 
plain white tee in the front, but on the uh-huh. back, it has my nickname embroidered in all these colorful letters. It just is like, bam, Linio, which Linio is, that's my nickname from high school. Shout out to Denise Happensack, wherever you are. So whenever I see Linio or hear someone call me it, it just goes straight to my heart. So you surprised Linio. me with that. Linio! And has the U.S. Women's National Team logo on it with four stars. Yeah, it's a cool shirt. I pretty much just feel like I'm part of the national team now with this t-shirt. Make a great center back. Good size. Oh, would I? Yeah. We'd have to, we'd have to beef you up a little bit, but... Uh, I don't know what a center back is exactly. <laughs> I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> Do uh, I have to run? Would I have to run a lot? No. Could I throw elbows? Oh, every center back's going to hate me for that answer. No, center backs don't run. Sorry, Becky. Sorry, butter. Butter sour. Oh, that's Becky sour. That's a huge compliment. You're telling me Becky sour runs? Julie Ertz's position. So anchoring the defense, the back line. Yeah, I don't have Naomi Gurma's speed, though. No, that could be a problem. But you got Naomi Gurma next to you, so you're good. Okay. Now, moving (laughs) on, how are you processing the U.S.'s early exit loss in the round of 16? Where are you at right now? I'm processing it the same, which is not well. Um, I, I really haven't moved on. You know, people are like, oh, let's take the positives. I'm like, yeah, no, that's not. Let's sit in it for a second. Hmm. Let's sit in it and remember it because that's the thing that gets you to actually grow. Yeah, um, and obviously you don't want to sit in it forever, but I do hope these players sit in it. Like you extract a loss. I still think about friggin' Norway, the Viking bitches, and their centipede crawl in 1995. I think about them winning and beating us in the 2000 Olympics. It gets me the cold sweats at night. So those losses, as much as they hurt, can be a good thing. But the thing I keep coming back to, which I worry, and it really shouldn't be a worry because it's it's such a good positive thing, is as we've been, everyone has been saying, and I've been saying forever, like the world has caught up right? Let's stop saying the world Mm -hmm. is getting better. No, the world is there. Mm -hmm. And this tournament, which is such a great thing, we've been asking for that forever and wishing it forever. Um, But the reality is, is that the U.S. has always had this incredible head start because of Title IX and the number of girls playing and the grassroots system we have here and our collegiate system. And now that you're seeing all these countries and programs and continents embrace women's soccer and start funding you in soccer and clubs recognizing there's money in women's soccer, they're putting money into it. It has totally changed the landscape, of course. And that is not changing. That is only going to get better. So I said, coming into this tournament, if the U.S. is ever to pull off a three-peat, which is what they were trying to do, it had to happen now because there are no three-peats going forward. There are no two-peats probably going forward for the United States. It's going to be that hard. Not to say that we're not going to be at the top of the scale. We will always be there in that Mm -hmm. mix, but it's just, it's going to be harder. And that's what you're seeing in this tournament. I mean, the fact that Colombia almost beat England, that Nigeria took England to penalty kicks, that Jamaica got through, that Morocco got through. I mean, all these these programs that you're seeing either get their first win at a World Cup or their first time through to the knockout stages. And then you're seeing teams that have been able to get over that hump, but not quite get over the hump, like Spain's and Australia, first semifinals. So... Lots of firsts being set in a good way. 
And we will do at some point, because I know this has caused a lot of reaction. I've heard a lot of people say stuff. A little series on perhaps, <laughs> I shouldn't say we will. I would like to do uh, a series on youth sports and uh, just youth soccer in general. Um, yeah, I'm still... I got to, I got here to Williamsport and everyone wanted to de debrief and I was like too soon too soon I'm not ready I'm not ready it's still raw it's still raw they're like can we just talk about this and can we talk about this I was yeah. like I don't I don't know if I can yet um, but yeah that's where I'm at Lynn is that it's just going to get so much harder and that's a good thing for the U S to win because we've always wanted that we've wanted progress and growth and in all these different countries and it's still a a, you know, a fight and a battle for them as we see, but the U S has paved this incredible path with our equal pay contracts mm -hmm. and all that they fought for. And so, um, I think they have so much to be proud of. Oh yeah. Without I'm a doubt. very sad about all the vitriol. I don't even want to mm -hmm. get into it. It's just wasted energy because those people are never going to change. Yeah. But I, I just keep saying to my kids, for example, when we talk about Megan Rapino, look at the breadth of her career. Don't judge her on one penalty kick. And, all she's done and and will continue to do yeah and will continue exactly uh, so um i just that pains me that that's your last touch as a player yeah. maybe even for a kelly o'hara at that stage i don't know what her plans are but i mean that one's that's gonna sit with you something i've thought about is that there's a big difference between vitriol and criticism from people who care if you listen to the episode with you and brandy you were honest in what you saw, yet it came from a place of genuine care. And it's you can still hear it, that you're, you're not ready to move on yet because you know that a lot can be gained from this. We talk about it all the time on the podcast, how the lows become the highs. Mm -hmm. So this yep. could be in a very interesting time for the team. Are you surprised that head coach Vladko Andonofsky has not yet been fired? Uh no, I'm actually glad. You know how you see these programs where they they go out earlier than they thought in whatever sport, and they're like, fire the coach and put all the blame on him right away mm -hmm. or her. You've And you've heard me say that I do think that he shares a lot of this blame in terms of in 10 games between Olympics and World Cup, the two big events of his tenure, he's only won four out of 10 games. And that is when it matters, right? He's got a great record and friendlies and um, outside of world championships, but it really only matters how you do at a World Cup and Olympics, in, in my opinion, when you're looking at that, at that position. So um, I suspect it's coming. I don't know that, but I suspect. I think part of the challenge is you don't have, um, you have people tied into a lot of contracts right now, right? They're either with the national team or with a professional team. And so it it's going to take some time. And you don't know who's going to be available. That's the other thing. It's going to be a huge challenge for the United States. Mm. Yes, of course, you'd love to get someone with international experience, with World Cup experience or Olympic experience who's done it, who's been at these tournaments. I think that was probably one of the things um, that people criticized him the most about is just he didn't seem up to the task of his first World Cup in big moments with big decisions and making them and hesitant, which I agree um, for whatever reason. It's hard when you're not on the inside to understand all that. Uh, but 
he just seemed hesitant to me in those big moments in, in terms of substitution patterns, tactical changes, formation changes. Hesitant or paralyzed. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, but it's, 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 yeah. I'd love to see a woman in that position, of course. Um, but it's going to, it's going to come down to who's available and can they, can they get a really good woman? I didn't realize the impact of availability in soccer, because if you think about the NFL, it's not uncommon for a coach to be fired pretty much the day after the season ends, after a terrible season. However, there's a lot of availability of coaches when that happens. Other firings, coaches that maybe got fired a couple of seasons ago. You know, the other challenge is they don't know the, the U.S. system as well. They don't know the teams, the players, all that. So... It's, I'm glad it's, it's not my, it's not my responsibility. That's all I have to say. <laughs> Good luck with that. Do you think this is a full Do on? Do not suck me into some committee that hires the next coach. I will be like, oh, uh, hell no. You have Angel City games to go to. Yeah, right. So just a final thought on at, at this juncture. Do you think it's a full on rebuild going forward? No, you have a lot of young players that, I think I saw a stat today that, you know, the majority of players that played in this tournament were 23 and under. When you're looking at, um, you know, Soph and Naomi and Trinity and um, you go down that list. So um, I I do think there needs to be a shift in, in mindset and how you approach a tournament. I mean... I like the swagger of the United States, but it felt too much swagger uh, mm. this time around and and a little more humility to say, hey, we aren't the best. We have sucked at the Olympics. We've sucked at the World Cup. And now we need to have a, a little edge to us. There didn't seem like an edge, a little edge and bite to us that, yeah, we are mm. the underdog. Little chip and on, maybe that's, no chip on yeah, the shoulder. And maybe that's a good thing that we come in fighting and scrapping a little bit more. And... Um, I don't, you just didn't see any of that. And of course that last game was better and that, you know, was great that they played better, but they wouldn't have been in that position. It didn't come down to the millimeter, you know, goal line decision. As we all know, it came down to three games before that and a much easier road had they actually performed. So, um, not to rehash all that. All right. Semi-finals. Let's have a foudy breakdown for both games. Mm, well, you got Spain, Sweden in the first one, Australia, England in the second one. And what's interesting is Spain is in its first ever semifinal, mm. even though they come really close. It's actually the first knockout game they've ever won. They've always lost in that quarterfinal group stage. I mean, sorry, not group stage, knockout game. Um, it was to the United States in 2019. You could actually argue that was the hardest game the U.S. played in 2019 at the World Cup. They barely beat the Spanish team. I was at that game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember going, oh, damn, that was lucky that they just got through that. I mean, they outplayed the U.S. and they just couldn't finish in that game. And then I think Rapino got a penalty kick in that game, finished it. She finished mm-hmm. that one. Um so that is going to be an interesting one. Sweden, of course, lost the runner-up in the last two Olympics, has come mm-hmm. really close, lost on penalty kicks at the last Olympics to Canada, had the chance to win it with Caroline Sager on the line in the fifth kick, kind of oh. like a Sophia Smith. And she's like a legend for the team, has played 
so many caps. I think she has over 200 caps and, uh, and she missed it. I feel so bad for her. So she's on this team and I know they're playing for her. Um, but I actually think Spain is the better team. I see Spain coming out of this one, which mm-hmm. is interesting because, as we know, Spain still doesn't have its full roster because of their federation battles and the fact that they don't have, like, a Mapillon at center back. Uh, they don't have Paredes in goal, who's their, the Barcelona keeper, because they've been your, fighting with their federation. I love your pronunciation of these names. Paredes. Mapillon. Um, that's because I'm with Sebastian Salazar for <laughs> The Little League World Series, and we've been talking. Uh, let's see. And then this, and then that Australia-England game Ooh, is going to That's be the one I can't wait for. So damn good. Too bad yeah. it's on in the middle of our damn night. Uh, I thought that one is 6 a.m. Eastern on Wednesday. Yeah, 5 or 6. Yeah, maybe 6. You might be right. Um but that seems like a reasonable having, hour compared to the having, other games. Having been in Sydney and and Brisbane, thank you for my one hour day, you know, stoppage. Um, they are rabid. It's very ninety niners like. Oh, they are super going cool. crazy in That's that country. Awesome. For them, I saw a video of someone flying Qantas Air um, in Australia, and it was. All someone took a video of all the seats in front of them, and you know how you can see what people are watching. It was the game, the Australia France uh, game, on every single one. It gives me and chills. they scored a penalty kick, yeah. and the whole plane went. <laughs> Except for one person, which <laughs> who was watching Lord of the Rings. They're like, "There's always, <laughs> there's always one." Um, so that I, I actually think Australia can pull it off. They've looked really good, even without Sam Kerr fully healthy. And imagine mm. they're getting more minutes out of Sam Kerr. England has kind of struggled their way through. They've been battling because they're missing yeah. some players and they have a lot of injuries. But they they won in the round of 16 against Nigeria. England took Nigeria took them all the way to like the fifth penalty. Chloe Kelly crushed it. Then they had to come back from being behind 1-0 to Colombia in the quarterfinal to win it 2-1. So they've, they've fought their way through. I think Australia could get them. I actually had yeah. England-Spain originally in the final. But I'm thinking... Why not put Australia in their host country, 99er moment, mm-hmm. Australia, Spain, two Ooh. complete newbies. Um, England's been in the last three semifinals and is, I don't think they've ever made it to the final, the women. They obviously won the Euros last summer, but they, I don't think they have been to a Women's World Cup final. I'm 99% certain on that. So there you have it, Australia, Spain. Whatever happens, any of those four teams, they've never won a World Cup. So we will have a new World Cup champion. Does that excite you? Yeah, exactly. And it's like very on par with how this tournament has gone. It's just, it's been so fun to watch that progression and happen so quickly. With that in mind, we have some outstanding questions from the Dope Village about the World Cup and how it's progressed. Question one, this is from self-proclaimed superfan Kelly Doyle. Kelly says, as a former coach and player and someone dedicated to women's equity and empowerment in sports, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on the female coaches in the tournament. In your opinion, who are the top female coaches in the tournament and what qualities do they possess that you think makes them someone we should pay attention to? Well, first of all, I don't think we have enough women coaches in the tournament. Amen. Preach. You saw Pia Sudhagen with Brazil. They went out, surprisingly, in the group stage. 
And then you look at the the coach that everyone's talking about, of course, is Serena Wiegmann, who's the England coach. She played for the Netherlands, coached the Dutch to a European title, their first ever in 2017 when they were hosting the tournament. And then the very next Euros last summer in 2022, because it was delayed a year for COVID, she coached England to their first European title. And here she is. Oh, and the year before that, the summer before that, she took Netherlands to the final against the United States in 2019, not the year before, a couple years before. So she did 17, one with the Dutch. Uh, 19 took the Dutch to the finals of the World Cup, their first ever finals of the World Cup, best run they'd ever made at a World Cup. They lost to the United States, of course. And then um, won the Euros with England in 2022 and has England with a very depleted roster back in the semifinals of this World Cup. That is someone who everyone, if they said, who would you want the US? <laughs> who would they want? Who would you want to coach the US? They'd be like, Serena Wiegmann. Um, and she played in the United States. She played at UNC. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. She played, I did not know uh, that. She played for Anson. What qualities do you think Serena Wiegmann possesses that makes her so good? Well, she, there's no bullshit to her, which is very Dutch, <laughs> which I love. And from everything you read, she's a great communicator, very uh, open and honest with her communication, but mm. really well loved by the players as well. Incredibly detailed, mm. really professional. Um, the level of detail at the European Championships when she actually got COVID, had to leave the team for a bit, it was like, no problem. We have a plan for this. We've prepared for all of this. Like just oh, layers wow. and layers of detail. and. Uh, preparation and in the moment you can see her she's in the huddle yeah i mean england has had some like squeaky bum moments Mm -hmm. and in those moments she's in the huddle commanding talking making decisions uh changing formations changing the lineup so she's not hesitant to do any of that and that's from a woman who didn't change her lineup at all last summer because they were so successful so she can go Hmm. both ways so I just, I have a lot of respect for her. I think she has been tremendous and um, has been able to manage the players really well, which is not easy at this level. This next question comes from Cherith Douglas. Which team in the World Cup is the most surprising, good and bad? Um, which team? One team. Ooh. So one good surprise, one not so good surprise. Well, I think Nigeria. I mean... I mean, you could say Colombia as well, but Nigeria beats Australia three to two in their second game. Uh, it takes England. They get out of their group. They take England to penalties. Played really well. Hit the bar twice. Sorry, the bar. Uh, maybe it was the crossbar. I thought it was the post. Hit the post twice. Um, so, I, I, but there's so many. That's the cool thing about this mm-hmm. tournament. I mean, we knew Australia was going to be good. I don't think people knew they were going to be this good. Um, Tony Gustafsson has done a great job with them. So then you have the country behind them. Uh, Surprisingly bad, probably Brazil not getting out of their group. I mean, that's a huge disappointment um, for how much talent that country has, having a really good coach in Pia Sunhangen. So I did not see much of them, Um, but held scoreless in that last game, I believe, which then ended up knocking him out. So, yeah, that was surprising, I think, surprisingly bad. This final question comes from Jen Miller. 
What other teams do you think will emerge on the scene in the next few years? She adds, keep doing what you're doing. My 20-something daughters and I love your work. We are longtime members of the Dope Village. Yeah, Jen. Aw, thank you. Um, I think you're going to see huge growth in South, South America and Africa. We've already seen it in Europe. That's exploded. That's going to continue. That's going to accelerate. It's just going to be fast. Um, and I think you're seeing, um, which surprised me a ton, great growth in CONCACAF. I thought Jamaica did really well. I saw the Panama-France game, which is a 6-3 game, and Panama looked really good in moments. Um, so I think you're going to, although the U.S. and Canada kind of crashed out, but the two teams that typically would not. Uh, but you had six teams from CONCACAF, I, and I think you're going to see rapid growth in Africa, uh, finally, and in South America, the two continents that seem the most resistant to um, the women's side of the game. And I, I just hope, I mean, they can get those federations in line and those players sorted because there's so much talent there. They're so athletic and so fast. And if they can add that organization and skill beyond it, then that those are... That especially the African teams are just so hard uh, to deal with. They're so good physically. Um, they're so athletic. That's awesome. Before we go, did you ever get an old moot, mout, whatever <laughs> it was God. called, cider? I did not. <laughs> I knew you were going to ask. Well, you're just going to have to go back. <laughs> I'm going to have to go back. We have to tie up loose ends. I know. But... Tune in or wake up and watch them late. Tape them. Spain, Sweden. Let's get Sweden the hell out of here. Screw you, Sweden. <laughs> What's your beef with Sweden? I know Norway. I didn't know you felt this way about Sweden so much. I, I know, because they keep kicking us out of things recently. It's like, mm. God, they crushed us at the Olympics. <sighs> crushed us at the two, the last two Olympics they've knocked us out of, U.S. out of. So, and now this World Cup. Whatever, Sweden. Actually, the Swedes are so nice. I can never. I can never. I played in Sweden. I love Swedes. They're really nice. Do you want to tell your Indigo Girls story in Sweden? <laughs> no, we got to go. Just <laughs> <laughs> save that for another day. We'll save it for when the Indigo Girls are on the podcast. Deal. Oh, I do believe that's what's known in the biz as a tease. <laughs> Actually, it's just putting it in the universe because it's not even a tease. We don't have them. I wish we did. One day. If you can get a Toto toilet by putting that in the universe, we can make the Indigo, Girl, Indigo Girls happen. I believe it. Oh, my God. I just want to sing Watershed with them. Up on a watershed, standing at the fork in the road. That's where the U.S. team is right now. We can stand there and agonize till your agony is your heaviest load. That's the U.S. team. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> Peace out, party people. We'll probably have one more episode before we end this thing. A huge shout out to Ally as our presenting sponsor, as always. Like a girl. And their support and their support of women's sports and the way they're changing the game. Here we go, Dope Village on three. One, two, three. Usa, 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 oh! Lenny O! Lenny O!